Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. And I'm Valdana Hyrick, in today for Stacey Marie Ishmael. It's Wednesday, November 16th. In October 2021, it became possible for U.S. investors to buy a Bitcoin-linked exchange-traded fund, also known as an ETF, for the very first time. Folks in other countries, including Canada, had been able to access this kind of product for a while, and the U.S. was finally catching up. How'd that turn out? My colleagues Vildana Harik and Katie Greifeld, who recorded this episode before FTX filed for bankruptcy, explain why so many people thought this launch would mark the beginning of a bull market in Bitcoin. And now, over to my colleagues. Around this time last year, the very first Bitcoin-linked exchange-traded fund debuted, the ProShares Bitcoin ETF, which trades under the ticker BITO. The launch marked a milestone for the digital assets industry. It opened up the opportunity for more mainstream investors to dip their toes into cryptocurrencies. The ETF had a stellar start. It was the second most heavily traded fund on record, and it gathered more than $1 billion in assets in record time. And back then, Bitcoin was trading at around $65,000 a coin, and retail investing in crypto was booming. But in hindsight, the timing was a little bit unfortunate. Just two months after its debut, Bitcoin started to crash, And soon after that, a collapse of crypto hedge funds and stablecoins helped bring its value down to $20,000 a coin. Joining me now is Bloomberg reporter Katie Greifeld. Bitto was the top. Bitto, whether it caused the top is a different story, but it pretty much marked the top. Back by popular demand is Katie Greifeld, a Bloomberg reporter and one of my teammates. Katie, welcome back to the show. It is a joy to be here. I know that the popular demand was just you, but I appreciate it nonetheless. No, actually, you and I got some tweets. We got about one. We got one tweet. How dynamic we are together. That one tweet. It was one tweet, and it was you. But it was not me. <laughs> How sad would that be? Okay, so I want I don't want to give us too much like patting on the back, too much kudos. Or but anything, go on. But I have to go on. You and I actually were the reporters who broke the story about the Bitto launch last year. It was in October of 2021. So I want you to think back to that time, set the scene for us. What was the excitement like around crypto in general? And mm-hmm. then also about this idea that we were going to have this Bitcoin 
Futures ETF. As asset manager ProShares is poised to launch the first Bitcoin Futures ETF. That'll trade under the symbol BITO. It'll invest primarily in Bitcoin Futures contracts, not directly in Bitcoin. Those halcyon days of October 2021, there was a lot of excitement uh, around, even though it was not what the industry, both the crypto industry and the ETF industry really wanted. The holy grail there is a spot Bitcoin ETF. But this was the debut of the futures-backed Bitcoin ETF. Uh, ProShares was first to the punch there. They launched about a year ago, and there was just a lot of excitement. Sort of the bold narrative was that this is going to introduce so many new investors to the space because you haven't seen a structure like this in the U.S. before. The launch of the first Bitcoin ETF is the latest sign of crypto becoming even more mainstream than it already is. So does that mean it's just a matter of time before everyone has some digital assets in their wallet? You do have spot Bitcoin ETFs in Canada, in Europe. You don't have anything like that in the U.S. And again, it wasn't the best case scenario, but there was a lot of optimism nonetheless. And a lot of it panned out at least day of, week of, month of. I think this was one of the best ETF debuts on record in terms of first day volume, how quickly it got to a billion dollars in AUM. But that feels like a long time ago. And then the excitement around that also just before we get, it, it does feel like a long time ago because we want to talk about what's going on in the present as well. But the excitement around the launch also helped propel Bitcoin to all-time highs and a bunch of other tokens to all-time highs, right? Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, I think Bitcoin's all-time high was a breath below $69,000 happened at the same time as you saw this launch. So it was just a time of real optimism in the stock market, too. It felt like risk assets of every stripe were rallying all at once, and Bitcoin was leading the charge there. It would then lead the charge to the downside as well, but again. What a fun time we had. It was. Back then. God. So can you set the scene for us What's with in terms of what's going on today and how the mood music has shifted, and especially the crypto crash that we saw earlier in the year, and then we had a big downturn over the summer, then we had sort of range-bound trading for Bitcoin and other tokens, and then this new crash <laughs> <laughs> around worries with uh, different um, mm -hmm. uh, crypto exchanges. So Bitto was the top. Bitto, whether it caused the top is a different story, but it pretty much marked the top. And it's been really rocky sledding since then, to, to your point. Uh, we actually wrote another great story that the Me Fed, and you? Yeah, the Fed wow. tightening. It was going to basically prove whether or not it was all a bubble. Because as a mainstream asset class, I mean, if you think about when the Fed was tightening, when its tightening cycle stopped back in 2018, late 2018, Bitcoin was a much less mature asset class in terms of the scale, the different players involved, its reach. So it's been really rocky since then. Mostly, I think, the macro backdrop, most people would agree. But there's been a lot of pain at at sort of the corporate level in the crypto world. I mean, you think about what happened with Tarot, you think about what happened with algorithmic stablecoins. So just in one year from the launch of the, the futures Bitcoin ETF, the setup is dramatically different now. Up next, more with Bloomberg reporter Katie Greifeld on the future of Bitcoin ETFs. We'll be right back.
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. So one of the things I love to talk about is how excited crypto investors get about announcements like this one or any other announcement or anything new within the space that sort of helps propel prices upward. And w what's happened with this fund and, and a few other futures funds is that those investors have stayed excited and they've been adding money to these ETFs, right? So these ETFs have actually, these funds have seen inflows even as prices have been crashing. That's the thing. I mean, you haven't seen a mass exodus necessarily from the likes of Bitto, even though it's one of the worst performing non-leveraged uh, ETFs around. It'd be hard to find uh, a fund that's doing worse than it. But the stickiness of the inflows that have come in, and we ran some sophisticated analysis on the Bloomberg Terminal. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, cumulative inflows into this product have been $1.8 billion, and we're still talking about outflows, but none to the extent that we've seen in terms of money coming in. So people are hanging on. And it's also the case with some of the other Bitcoin futures ETFs that have launched in the U.S., but they're much, much smaller because in the ETF space, I mean, you live and die by that first mover advantage. I, You read my mind. This was my next question the for you. The wavelengths bouncing oh off the walls gosh. of the studio. Can the people feel it? <laughs> <laughs> Can the people at home feel it? So tell us about first mover adv advantage. What is it in the ETF world? How important is it? And how did it help differentiate Bitto from some of its competitors? So I said that ProShares was first to the punch here, and they were. You saw this real arms race of ETF issuers trying to get their applications at the door of the SEC. ProShares was able to launch their product first, by far the biggest. I still believe that they have over $600 million in assets. The number may change, but uh, that's because they were first out the door. If you think about the likes of the Valkyrie Bitcoin strategy ETF, it's the same thing virtually. It's also tracking Bitcoin futures. It was just a day or two later, I believe, $20 million in Huge assets difference. or somewhere around there. Yeah. So the first mover advantage, and it's not just crypto. I mean, this is a feature of the ETF market. Uh, the biggest, oldest ETF out there is State Street Spy, which is just the S&P 500. Uh, I love that fund. I do too. And it's really <laughs> become a fixture of financial markets, even though it's relatively expensive. It costs nine basis points. Oh my <gasps> gosh. Which again, doesn't sound like that much, but then you compare it to similar funds from BlackRock, from Vanguard that cost three basis points and still Spy is the biggest just because it's the oldest. Yeah, I love this. I love these topics. I love the ETF world and crypto. Okay, one big, big, this is the biggest question I'm, out there. I'm really nervous. I know, you should be. Yeah. Okay, drum, maybe we can get a drum roll from the producers, but... Added in post. You mentioned that we don't have a Bitcoin spot ETF. We don't. When are we getting one? You know, it just feels like... It doesn't feel like an SEC under the purview of Gary Gensler 
that it's at the top of the priority list or anywhere near the top, even though the the Bitcoin futures ETF, even though it's down a lot since launch, it's performed perfectly fine. I mean, the structure held the up structure well, exactly. We talked about the roll costs; they haven't been anywhere close to what's feared. We haven't seen uh, really any market structure issues come of the Bitcoin futures ETF, but it just feels there's not nothing that Gary Gensler has said that would suggest that the SEC's stance is going to budge on spot Bitcoin ETFs. We had a big moment for, again, both industries, both ETF and crypto with Grayscale's ETF conversion application, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which isn't which an is ETF. Which is not an ETF, right? Exactly. They would like it to be an ETF. They applied with the SEC to convert it into in, an ETF. The SEC denied that application in July. Grayscale is now currently suing the SEC. So, that's sort of the the thing to watch in this timeline of when we might get spot Bitcoin ETF approval. But again, there's just been nothing to suggest that Gary Gensler has budged on this. It's kind of amazing. Fed speak is a thing. Watching the Fed is a mm-hmm. thing. Watching Jerome Powell everywhere. Listening to the speakers, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it feels like the ETF and the crypto industry do that as well for Gary Gensler and doesn't feel like the message at the top has changed at all. He did have a somewhat snippy Halloween oh, yeah. tweet about Bitcoin, right? Congratulating Bitcoin on turning 14. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. He called it the How crypto fun. white paper, though, not the Bitcoin <gasps> white paper. And that got a lot of the That's maxis a snub. mad. Yeah. That's a snub. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Don't he quote does. me on that. No, I won't. <laughs> but you and I are giving the people what they want. Mm-hmm. And maybe Gary Gensler will one day give the crypto people what they want. I would imagine he's listening. Yeah. Hello. (laughs) Hi, Gary. (laughs) Well, anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so happy you came back. This was thrilling. For me, too. You can find more of our reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. And for more, be sure to check out our twice-weekly newsletter, Bloomberg Crypto. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.